but it's it's sort of like I love music and I love writing mm. and the right so it all blends in I love helping people I love interviewing musicians songwriters I just actually did an interview with Isabella Summers with uh, Isabel the machine Summers it's just uh, really wonderful who you're going to meet All right, here we go. This is the Living Numbers Podcast where everyone is interesting if you ask the right questions. Of course, make sure you all share, rate, review. Five stars, number one. Number two, subscribe on Apple and or Spotify and you get to get all of the wonderful stuff me and Christine talked about before and after the episode. Number three, follow on IG and TikTok, The Living Numbers Podcast. And last but certainly not least, merch link in the description. Hoodies, t-shirts. I even have phone cases. Like, there's tons of stuff on there. Really not tons. Hoodies, t-shirts, and phone cases. That's that's pretty much all you need. Uh, so you all know how we do. Whenever we have somebody on for the first time, they have to get an elaborate introduction so hailing from and i'm definitely going to butcher this name guelph ontario yes okay it's good christine shaking her head i got it right she earned her bachelor's in marketing from bishop university and also earned a diploma in creative arts and print journalism from champlain regional college She's a nationally published health and fitness lifestyle writer. She writes it all, people. Our guest is the creator and host of not one, but two shows. Run With It, a show about running fitness and health, and The Final Cut, oh wait, The Final Act, love that name, which focuses on musicians, producers, and CEOs in the film industry. Not to mention, she's a CEO herself at Christine Blanchett Productions. Teacher, winter runner, red carpet queen, and big time smiler. She's always got a smile in every picture. I present the Christine Blanchett. Say hello to the people. Thank you so much. What a wonderful introduction. I am so excited to be here and thank you for having me. Well, like I said earlier, when we were kind of kicking it around before, you know, when when I see the descriptions and the bios and and people's lives and where they've been and what they've done, I'm like, oh, yes. Yep. Got to have her. Got to have her. Going to shoot my shot and we're going to get this thing rolling okay here we go i'm so i'm so excited first number okay our first number is kind of like two numbers it's four or five years old because that's when children begin to write so what experience got you into writing was there a book was there a teacher was it your parents how'd you get into writing Well, I, from my mom, 
my mom was a reader, an avid reader and a writer, and I was inspired by her. And I remember in elementary school, I wrote my first poem and I gave it to my teacher and she said, well, that's great. So I, 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 I still can rem remember it. I can't really recite it too much, Tony, but um, it was it was just, I'm all by myself. There's nothing to add, but sweet music burning on a stand. And that was one of the things. And I was like very young, like, you know, like under 10 years old. So it, it's just mm. the first taste of poetry. And then I was published in the Norton, Norton American Anthology or book of poetry and I always had an interest in writing even though I wasn't the best writer but it's a craft you have to keep writing like a muscle when you're running you have to keep training it so did you always write poems all the time and then you just ended up showing it to your teacher this one day and it just kind of maybe gave you the confidence to continue well, you know what? I actually, I kept writing. I have actually still my poems in a, a binder. So I have a, like the cake scheme. I have, you know, going down the stairs and sneaking a piece of cake and um, an island, being on an island. Yeah, so I have a lot of um, shyness, a book of poems, and I just, I just kept them. And, you know, I... I I think that's really, it was really about my mom. And, and as I said, you know, the written word is very powerful. And, mm. and I just love being creative. I love creative writing, Tony. Just love it. So uh, do you keep these poems to yourself? Do you share them? Right? I didn't see any of this poetry stuff. So now I have more questions. <laughs> no, I don't share them. Actually, it was published in the American Northern Anthology. It was, and also there was, another book, poetry book in Victoria, BC, Canada. And I can't remember, but I've had two poems published. Um, Moments of Silence is one of them. And then there was another one that I can't remember. Um, you know, so yeah, I've had two, two poems published. But to ask me now if I would go and still write, I don't write anymore <laughs> poetry, but I do a lot of writing, uh, fitness articles, profiles on people, sports. So I still have, you know, the, the bug for writing, if you will. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite thing to write? I love health. I feel, I love, um, and I would say to Ashley, Tony profiles, you know, writing about people, you know, bringing out the best in, in the person and what they have to say, because everyone has a story. It's that, Figuring out what draws that person to be able to feel comfortable to talk to you, whether it's in written or a podcast or, a, you know, TV interview, whatever the case may be. So, yes, I love doing profiles. I find you can really explore their story. And your question about poetry was a wonderful question because it brought out something like I never would have thought I would even revisit that. So thank you for asking me. <laughs> well, you know, as an interviewer yourself, things just pop into your head and you just you just go for it and you let the chips you let the chips fall. Yeah. And when you get people to think, I think 
that people want to do that, whether they know it or not. Somebody asked them a question that makes them really kind of start to dig around into their background and things that they haven't really talked about in probably years or decades even. You go, oh, wow, I never thought of that. And so that's that's my job. I'm glad I'm doing a decent job. You know, that's that's, <laughs> that's what we try to do. Um, I love putting those profiles together when I introduce people. So I'm definitely on the same page with you there because it's, it's nothing like kind of figuring out how they get from one place to another. You go, okay, you were a writer and, and you're also a runner and you were in forensic accounting and then you become a, create these shows and it's like, wow, like how does people brain work? And you, you talked about, I'm a creator. I write, I make stuff. Okay, so um, I want to ask about writing and running. Because I'm sure there have been some points where you had to like choose. So when do you, which one takes precedence? And I, I would have to say running because without mm. running it fuels me. It fuels me to be, become a better human. It fuels me to become a better writer because when I'm out there running or walking, you're moving, you're starting to think, okay, how can I write this lead? How can I ask a better question? How can I, you know, teach better. How can I, all these things without running, it's a movement. So I love, I love athletics. And I, and I've, I mean, I would have to say running was the, writing was first because it started off that way, but then I, I fell into running and then, you know, but yeah, running would take over writing because without running, I wouldn't be a creative, as creative as I would like to be. Mm. You have a favorite place to run. Yeah, I do. well, I love trails. I mm -hmm. love because that's where you can really be close to nature, and you don't need headphones. You don't. You just need yourself, me, myself, and I, and taking myself on that journey. And it's nothing like it when you're out there running or whatever. If you're playing basketball, swimming, whatever, you you are taking time, self-care for yourself. I call it my appointment with myself. And that's mm. it just fulfills me. It, it completes me rather. Have you always been so introspective? Like everything that I'm hearing is like, well, how can I do this better? Why do I do this? It's a, it's a lot of uh, asking yourself these questions about, being better. So have you always been that way? My guess is probably yes. Yes. I think that we are never, we never stop learning. We're always learning. And if we can somehow make things better or to the best of our ability, then you feel, okay, I had a great day and, you know, I achieved what I could. And then you go on to the next because I feel, you know, best that way. Like I think, okay, maybe I'll do a little bit better. Maybe um, it's even like before we went on air, you know, we, I wanted to make it the best that we could, you know, and I, cause it's, it's all about being the best you can be. I was talking to uh, another guy a couple of days ago. We had a great, great conversation. Guys. Awesome. Uh, we were uh, talking about like, just kind of bringing your best, whatever, however much that is. And so we kind of put it this way. If you have 100% to bring that day, bring that 100%. We'll work with it. If you got 80%, 
bring that 80%, we'll figure it out. If yeah. you got 2%, bring that 2% to the table. We'll do whatever we can yes. with that 2%. So, cause you're not, you're not going to be your best every day, but you can try your best every day. That's yeah. 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 I think that's, that's where we landed. That's, that's awesome. Have you, what do you do? Okay, since we're talking about being your best, what do you do when you're not at your best and you and you kind of know it? You're like, mm, I'm a little bit off today. How do you shift that momentum into the right direction, or do you think about it differently? Well, I I bringing back self care. Be gentle with yourself because we're gonna have mm. bad days. We're gonna have good days, and and I just say, okay, this is what I'm gonna do for today. And then I, I, I'm aware of that. I think that's really important, but also tell the people that you might be meeting someone, you might be writing an article. I'd rather just, you know, extend the deadline or rather just say, you know, this is what, where I'm at right now. Because I think you owe it to yourself and owe it to the people that you're involved, whether it's a meeting or whatever. I think it's that open communication that really helps because mm -hmm. You know, I, I always use the word human because we are human and we have to kind of check ourselves. Okay. Um, and I think that's really important is to be aware of that and don't ignore the signs. You know, I think it's really important. Definitely. Very important to take care of yourself. And so many people I talk to are like, man, I got to take the time out, mm. either whether it's working out or, or running or playing video games. That's what I like to do or music whatever it is taking that time out to make sure you're the best that you can be is always going to make you better for everyone else you know when you do have to go to work you do have to take care of your child who's currently downstairs screaming or, or your spouse so definitely you got to be at your best so that you can be your best for other people when when do you feel like you discovered that because i know uh, our world has not always been a, a self-care, make sure you take care of yourself kind of world. But when did you discover that, discover that personally? I discovered that when I, you know, when the um, pandemic hit, right? I was thinking, mm. well, you know, it kind of, it kind of brought light to me, you know, and my friends and, and I thought, you know what, why am I scrambling all the day, all the time, you know, or not scrambling, why am I achieving, overachieving? And sometimes you'll get that message and you'll think, okay, you're doing too much because you get signed, you get headaches, you get, you're just getting burnt out and you have to check yourself and think, okay, I think I need to, you know, rewind a bit because if you are not the best you can be or try to be the best and you're going to not people are not going to know who you really are i think it's mm. really important that we just as i said you know that appointment with yourself you need another that life balance you know there's always something to do tony i mean we never stop oh yeah you know? like it's gotta we have to do this we have to edit we have to write we have to take care of our families we have to it never so that that healthy balance that is what i am trying or pretty well 99.9% .9 so achieving so speaking of running and being healthy you ran right into how did you get into forensic 
accounting because I was looking around and, you know, I'm doing my digging and you talk about being laid off and we'll get to that part. But how did you fall into forensic accounting? Because that, that doesn't sound anything like writing to me. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a great, very good question. You know, I tell my students when I'm teaching business writing and I tell a little bit about myself, forensic accounting comes up. And now I, I'm not a forensic accountant, but I ended up doing administrative work and ended up um, doing research. And, ended up, and that's what propelled me to go back into the media. But long story short, I recently moved to Vancouver because I'm originally from Quebec originally from back east and I was looking for you know a job opportunity and I, I see this I went into the office and her name was Georgina and I wanted an office position where I could roll with the company um, mm. and I got hired and then little did I know I'm in forensic accounting which is really a fascinating fascinating um, industry to be in white collar crime, but it's taught me so much to be very disciplined, very uh, organized, um, you know, making sure everything is, is proper because you're dealing with such high profile clients and you're dealing with numbers. Not that I was, you know, dealing with numbers, but I was doing financial research. But that's how it started. And then, and then we would have the media come over to the reception, we have a reception were the mayor and you know legal counsels and I thought I saw the Vancouver Sun the newspaper and I always loved media but that's that I'm thankful to the forensic accountant which is Linquist David McDonald Baskerville because that propelled me to push me to you know um, to feel you know take go back to media and that's what I did I said you know I don't want to be here anymore um, <laughs> you know I didn't say it like that. But I did say, you know, I, I want to further my media career. But it was really great experience. I, I uh, yeah, I just, <laughs> white collar crime. <laughs> so take us to the moment where you go, okay, you just said it, where you figured out, okay, this is not, this is not the life plan here. I have to get out. <laughs> <laughs> and how'd you get back to, I mean, we talked about the, the media coming in. Were you always like, man, I wish I was the one taking those notes down or doing that reporting? I Well, you know, I was, um, you know, doing some work for Rogers TV at the time, and I was just getting into it. And I thought, wow, is this ever exciting? I, I would love to do broadcasts. And I thought, you know what? I think I can do this, but I can't do everything. I can't have a full-time job and even though I liked it there you know pretty much and I thought you know what if I'm gonna jump I better jump now I just mm. go for the opportunity so I I furthered my career with Rogers TV and then I um, took some courses at BCIT where I'm teaching now and and that's how it came about, Tony. I, I feel that there's a sign. I think you have to listen to your intuition. I think that's really important too, is when I listen to my intuition, I'm often right. Do I mm. feel that? Is that a gut feeling I feel? And then when I do, it turns out great. <laughs> so Yeah, Christina, intuition is, is something is something very, very different about it than just like a making a random decision 
Because I feel like it's something that that continues to tug on you, even when you don't necessarily make that step right away. It continues to remind you like, hey, I'm here. This thing that you really want to do is still over here or this thing that you should do, this thing that you're interested in or, you know, this bill that you need to pay, you know. (laughs) So uh, you got back into media. What was that first what was that first day like where you go, I'm no longer in forensic accounting. I've left that company. I've left that life. The first day where you're all the way in with Rogers, Rogers Media and doing the print and back into your element. Well, it, it felt fantastic. It felt like I was at home. And, you know, I remember with, with Rogers, and then I was in print too, but I remember my first, first double ender. And it was funny because. I remember one of my colleagues was laughing at me because I was, I have glasses on. I usually wear contact lenses, but here are my serious look I have, Tony. I just want you to imagine it. I was doing a double ender and I was doing the Ogopogo, <laughs> the, the Lash Nance monster. And I had talked to, uh, you know, a marine biologist and it was, it was great. It was fascinating. Um, but when my first double ender, but here was, I was doing the stand up with my trench coat and I was so serious and I was so, I was just over, you know, excited that I'll never forget that. It was just an amazing, amazing experience. And it was live. We did live to tape and I was like, oh my gosh, we're going live, you know? So, I mean, the stand up was taped, you know, but the, the double ender was live. Yeah. How did you, how did you get to uh, Rogers Media? Was it just an application process that you had to go through and interviews just like any other job? No, and thanks for asking that. I was at um, I was a contract worker for CBC, CBC TV News. And then I was in, now I wasn't doing any reporting. I was answering the phones on the uh, research desk. I was working for um, executive producer and I met... Um, a gentleman by the name of Terry Dolan. I said, Terry, I want to get into broadcasting. I want to, you know, this was a while. Um, and he said, well, just, you know, talk to Michael Keating. And I said, I did. And that's how it came about. I I kind of flip-flop. I went from TV um, and then I, CBC, TV, and then print forensic accounting and back to print and back to t- so the whole the whole it's been like a circle you know except for the only thing that hasn't changed is the only thing that's changed is i'm no longer with forensic accounting of course but i'm with tv and print and radio so yeah does that answer your question i hope yeah so it's just yes and <laughs> absolutely it's been a you know Quite a journey, but I'm sure everybody else has journeys and stories, right? Where how they started. Oh yeah, we all have a story. There's no way you can get to wherever you are without a story. There's some people have stories that's a little bit tougher to get through, and we all have to overcome something, right? So, who was there, and how did it feel on that first? live broadcast like who is with you that goes christine like you're here take it easy right who calmed you down who are the people that helped you to to get through it and to 
keep going? Well, it was uh, the crew, but I would have to say um, Mike Keeping because he was in charge of it. And also mm. calming myself. I think you have to believe in yourself and you have to take ownership. And there are days that you have to say, oh, why am I nervous? Okay, I can do this. I got this. I have to, I own it. And I thought, okay, if I can run a marathon, if I can do this, I can do anything. It's just this positive talk to yourself because they mm. believe in you. So why not believe in yourself? And, you know, today, I mean, I, I get excited. It's like this excitement energy is because I care and I want to do well. And, and it's just every interview, uh, you know, as a guest or doing an interview, I, I'm always excited um, because I love um, stories and learning about people mm. and having you ask me these wonderful questions that just goes back to my childhood, to my career. So what better place to go? Now, this one was definitely not in the notes that I sent you, but I think you're going to get a good <laughs> chuckle, a good chuckle from this. So we're going to jump to our next number. It's actually a time. So it's 11 p.m. to 12.35 a.m., right? Nighttime. This is the time the late night show with David Letterman used to air, whom I read served as a bit of an inspiration for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what was it about David Letterman? I'll definitely second that I watched that show, too. And I'm pretty sure I didn't really understand as much uh, was going on as maybe you did. But what was it about David Letterman that kept you coming back and wanted to stay up late and watch that show? Because he's a runner. He used to run in and, and he and, and just the way he was engaging with the audience, his guests rather, he engaged the audience too. I, I also liked his top 10 and I love I just love the way he carried an interview and he, he has really pointed questions and sometimes mm. the guests may not have, you know, but he would, he would do it for the audience. Right. Um, and the research he put into it. Uh, but I, I just, I just like the way his interview style, you know, and I also like Larry King. I used to like the way he would ask questions. Um, I think, yeah, David Letterman, you did your homework, Tony. So. <laughs> I know you like that one. Yeah. It's always fun to find out where mo people's motivations come from or their inspirations, rather. Like, who are the people that you, you look up to and that you go, man, that is really cool. I really love that. So do you have any of those people that you follow now like that are maybe – I guess, peers or in the same space, you know, with podcasting and in doing interview style shows? Well, um, I mean, I, I used to, you know, I like Barbara Walters. I thought she was very, uh, a wonderful journalist. I mean, I, I, it's unbelievable the interviews she's caught, you know, she's an incredible um, interviewer. Um, I, and I like, um, you know, I mean, Biff Naked is a musician and an author, 
and I have her book behind me. I don't know if you can see it, but she is a wonderful soul and she's, uh, you know, humble. She's a humanitarian and she's mm. so creative. Um, there's lots. And I would have to say, you know, my husband is very supportive of me. He's, mm. he's been there the whole time and I couldn't do it without him. Um, I mean, there's a lot, you know, I, I thank my team, me and my team for the shows, because if I didn't have a great team, I wouldn't have my two shows. So, I, you know, it, it's just, there's so many role models out there. Uh, hmm. You know, these are just, you know, a few, if I may say. So speaking of your show, right, you have two shows. What's the difference in the process for creating that next episode for each one? Oh, what's the process in creating the next show, um, Tony? The difference, because you got the health part over here, and then you got like this entertainment. Yes, you know, with these. Well, I, I don't think I coined it, um, but it's I call it fitness entertainment. So run with it as fitness because now it has stronger legs. I started just a running show, not just. A running show, fitness. Now I, I interview uh, actors who are getting ready to go on. You know they have to be fit. Uh, stunt coordinators to musicians, um, and then the other show is an entertainment show. So I get to interview filmmakers, but it's it's sort of like I love music and I love running, mm. and the right. So it all blends in because how it started was when I created this. Uh, column in 2005 it's called a runner's mind i interviewed actors who are following a healthy lifestyle and then i have the show called run with it and then my producer um you know my manager who who, who gave me the license for two shows true his name mm -hmm. he said why don't you well you've been doing a lot of actors what about doing an entertainment show i said why not <laughs> so that's what happened so i i you know i cover events i I love helping people. I love interviewing musicians, songwriters. I just actually did an interview with Isabella Summers, with uh, Isabel the Machine Summers, uh, Florence and the Machine, and Biff Naked is a musician, and David Clayton Thomas. Um, just It's just uh, really wonderful who you're going to meet. Strange Advance. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, when you interview so many people, you forget just so not to be, it's just, it's just, you know, it's on to the next. You don't have time really to, to, um, rest on your laurels. I don't know if that makes any sense. You, you have to keep going and going and interview the next person. And, um, but it's been absolutely, uh, yeah. this is episode, uh, 75. But I got a couple of two-parters. Uh, next month will be two years. Wow. So that is. Yeah. Congratulations. I mean, thank you. I love, I just love your show. I love your background. I love, I just love what you do. And I love the name, the living numbers. Yeah. Thank you so much. I might, I have so many questions in my head. So I'm going to start with one and hopefully I don't forget the next one. <laughs> You talked about the background. We talked about the mugs and the cups. Is there an inspiration for like the things that you have in your background? Is it meticulously picked out or is it just 
I had to put this stuff somewhere. So this is a great shelf. <laughs> How did the background come about? I put it there like behind me. I have um, my trophy that I actually competed in South Korea. And I was teacher. I was a teacher in Korea. And I ran with it competitively. I won um, the opening of the tunnel in Kanwondo province. And I, I meddled a lot there. And I loved, I loved mm. running there and hiking. And there's Biff Naked, the authors, and Fearless, that we have to remain fearless no matter if we're scared or not. I think sometimes when you don't know what you're doing, just do it anyway. I'd rather fail at something, at least I know I've tried. And mm. other in my photos I was uh, that um, my makeup artist gave me for modeling, like, you know, for my photo shoots. I'm not a model, professional model, <laughs> but... Um, you know, doing photo shoots for clothes, you know. Yeah, so that's everything's there, pretty much. <laughs> um, what's your favorite hat to wear in the, the process of, like, doing your shows, right? Back to our shows. What's your favorite hat to wear? Is it the writing? Is it the production? You also have to assemble a team and kind of keep your team together. You're the captain of the ship. So uh, what's your favorite hat to wear? Oh, I would say the host hat, the interviewing stage, doing all the, you know, the prepping um, for the interview, coming up with the right questions, making sure that sometimes guests want to see the questions. It's very, not very often, but I have it ready for me just in case. And, and then getting to the interview and having these butterflies and then it's like going on a plane ready for takeoff, fasten your seatbelts and then away we go, you know, and then it, it smooths out, you know, it's always that takeoff and then the landing. I always think of it that way, but it's, it's the interviewing at all. Just sometimes you don't know what people are going to say. So if you have proposed questions, not, I use it as a guide because I never know. It's like a conversation, right? So, yes, yep. answer your question, it's, it's that. <laughs> I'm totally on the same track with you because you prepare all of this stuff, but then they go, oh, I used to write poetry. And you go, oh, wait a second. <laughs> we have to talk about poetry. And that reminds me of the other question that I had because I am a huge, huge, huge music person. I'm always listening to music. I have, as you can see, uh, I have actually... Four guitars in here. You can only see two. My electric, which is the ones I like the most. Uh, what are you listening to right now? You know, you get in the car and you get going. What are you putting on? Well, um, I I like the '80s music, but I like Celine Dion. You know, I. I don't know. She's from Quebec, from the same province as me. I mean, I was born in Guelph, but raised in Quebec most of my life. I, I moved to Vancouver in 1989. But yeah, Celine Dion. But I like all genres. I I like all genres of cinema, but all types of music. I like Jesse Cook. I, I've interviewed him, and he is oh, instrumentalist. He's just amazing. I went to his concert. Mm. I like. I listened to 80s, and and then. 60s like the temptations the platters i like um yes you know aretha franklin i love i you know and at christmas holidays I was listening to um mariah carey right 
all I want for Christmas, you know, and then George Michael. Like, I love all music, if that answers. I know I'm going around about way, but, um, you know, but it's it's whatever suits my day, you know? The soul yes. <laughs> this is so good. So good. In my class, I'm always playing music. So I got a couple of playlists, but my go-to is it's it's called old school. But I mean, you got Dolly Parton, you got the Jackson Five, you got George Benson, you got Toto, Earth, Wind, and Fire. You mentioned the Temptations. I'm from Detroit, Michigan, so yeah, I have to have, you know, I have to have those guys: Marvin Gaye, the OJ, Sheryl Crow. There's tons of just a hodgepodge of just stuff on there. Holland Oats, ah, oh, two of my favorites. So music is huge for me too, but I also have a playlist that's just all jazz yes. stuff, instrumental music. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this band called Snarky Puppy. My absolute, oh no, if you love jazz, you have to check their stuff out. It is so, so good. And I don't really go to a lot of concerts, but I've gone to see them. Oh. So hopefully, yeah, yeah, they're awesome. And you can, if you start from the earlier stuff, you can see how their music has changed over the years, mm -hmm. which is always something I like to go back and do. Like I, I went back and listened to all of Earth, Wind & Fire's albums. Oh, yeah. And you can see how their music changed or like from the 70s into the 80s. And then it had like even some stuff that they put out like in the early 90s, which I don't listen to at all now, but you can see how the music changes through the I years. Love so, yeah, the yeah, super super fun stuff. I met the now I don't know I forget the platters. I met one of the platters, um, and I love just love the voice. Like it's so so like you know. And then you have Whitney Houston. Um, it's just mm. music. I need music. I think we need music in our lives, you know, and that's why this music show, I'm not, um, I'm not a, a great singer, but I love, I'm inspired mm. by musicians. I'm inspired by the music they play. And, uh, yeah. So you have to come on my show and talk about you. <laughs> so. I'd be more than happy to more than happy to, um, I wanted to talk about this. Let's talk about interviewing. Mm. So do you have a favorite one so far? Because I'm, I'm sure there are many that you're forgetting, but you can go with whatever's most recent, whatever you can remember that you would kind of coin as your favorite for now. Oh, boy, that's a good question. I mean, there's so many great interviews I've had, so many great conversations. Um, I would say... I mean, forgive me, everyone is great that I interviewed who was listening. Dan Hill. Dan Hill sometimes mm -hmm. when we touch, uh, he uh, he's a runner himself. Yeah, you know, he, he talked about his journey. He was a great interview. I just felt, um, you know, it's just the way it flowed and the way his conversation. I, I And then mm -hmm. there's David Clayton Thomas. Uh, it, and I like the red carpet interviews. I know these are short but sweet, you know, but you, like Eric McCormick, I interviewed him. He was great. He's a singer um, and an actor. Uh, it's, 
yeah, I mean, Tony, that's like everybody's has been a great guest. It's really hard for me to yeah. to answer it totally. Uh, and then there's Biff Naked, of course. So it's <laughs> <laughs> I kind of seen that coming just because. <laughs> As you start kind of in your mind flipping back through the catalog, you're like, oh, this person had an amazing story. And then me and this person just clicked on a different level about this thing. And then me and this person clicked on something that was so awesome. So I know it's really hard. I, I wanted to try anyway. <laughs> yes. And then there was Isabella of the Machine Summers recently. She was a wonderful interview. Um, just, yeah, it's just magical when it happens, right? It is. It is. Uh, have you ever bombed an interview? Bombed? Mm, I don't think so. Maybe my guests thought so, but I have never so far. I, I I'm hard on myself. I think I think when I look back in my early days, and maybe now, you know, I would say, okay, did I ask this right question? Maybe I should have asked a little bit. Um, you know, if you got the name of the movie wrong, which I don't do, but just, I, you know, you know, I don't know, your intuition mm -hmm. will tell you. Yeah, I mean, I would think at the beginning um, that, you know, but then I think if that, if it was really bad, if it was bomb, Tony, I would ask to redo it. I would just say, you know what, mm -hmm. I don't feel comfortable with this interview. I didn't think how it flowed, could we redo it? And that's... And you and, and oftentimes they say yes, I would think. So um, hmm. yeah, but I think it's a learning experience too. Cause I always think like to that point, redoing an interview, there's never like you can't capture that first impression, first time hearing a question, having to think about it. Like that can't be recaptured. So I, I'm just thinking in my mind, if we're doing the interview again, it's really more just like a totally different interview, like a separate entity, because you can't like forget what happened the first time. No, no, and you do. The thing is, I think the most important thing, like my advice here is being prepared. You can only mm. be prepared as you can going into the interview. If it goes wrong, if there's like, I don't know, foul language or something like that, that can be bleeped out, or if there's, there's noise in the background um, or if the person is cancels out on you and you do it again and it doesn't come across as well because you both are doing this dance and if the dance you know you're, if you're not engaging then you just do you know say you plan on doing a 20-minute interview and you feel that the interview is not going as well you can you don't mm. say that you say maybe 10 minutes you know because you want to give them the best light if you will but I just think going back, being prepared as much as you can, and that's all you can do. You know, you don't have, you only can control what you can control in my book. Yeah, it's. What, well, what are the differences? I talked to, talked about this a little bit earlier. I think it was before the show, the show started. The difference between working with like American companies because you do a lot of freelance work there were so many companies i couldn't even name them all yeah. difference between working with american companies and then canadian companies as far as uh what you do well you know what i love both i i am so excited when i get an email from 
you know, America from the PR. And then I get the opportunity to interview, you know, like Isabella, the machine summers happened from the, you know, United States PR. And it's because of generally speaking of my connections. And I feel mm. that in my mind, in my mind, I'm repeating myself that there's more opportunities. I feel, um, you know, I don't know. It's just more opportunities. And I'm, and I, and I, for me, I, I'm right there. I'm driven and, and I'm not afraid of, of doing things. Right. But yes, does that answer your question? Because I feel that it is more and more us publications pr firms companies that are approaching me a lot more now than mm. canadian and i and i'm and i i mean and I, i'm a canadian i'm proud to be a canadian but i'm just saying like it's just it's sort of you you've answered a question that's sort of like i don't know why i i think maybe it's because <laughs> I'm doing this interview then it leads to another interview and then it leads to another interview and it's all the connections. I have, a, I have friends, quite a few friends all over the world. Right. And, um, mm. and I think it's just putting yourself out there. I really do. And, and yeah, so it's been great. <laughs> okay. You recently start coming on shows like mine. And the first thing I thought of, how does it feel for you being on the other side? of the interview because you have been interviewing people, you know, for a while and you've interviewed tons of tons, tons of people. So now that you're now being interviewed by all these, you know, whatever show you go on, how does it feel to now be having to answer the questions? I love it. And I feel it's such a learning experience. It's such an honor. You, you really, you, you appreciate the guests and what they're thinking and it, it's it just gives you that inspiration how how you can be a better host how to mm. you know just really appreciate people's time but yeah it's it's really um it makes me think of of you know as i said at the very beginning you know poetry to it just it's just brought back my childhood to my career which i never even you know we don't think about what we do right so anyway it's just you know it's it's fun it's lots of fun okay so when you're being asked questions are you like constantly kind of critiquing right cuz you're you're pretty much an expert at interviewing people based on your experience. So are you just like thinking, oh, that was a good question, or oh, that question was terrible, or man, I wish they would do this. Like, are you in your mind as the interview is going, critiquing the interviewer as you're the interviewee? <laughs> yeah, you know what? No, I think that, um, no, what makes a good interviewer is being prepped and asking questions. Like I've never, I, I'm very, um, I always try to think of the other person in the chair and thinking, you know, what it, you know, t as a teacher, I, I'm, I mm. think I'm very open and patient and, and yeah. So everybody has a learning curve. So I have to take that in consideration. I can't just expect this person to be a pro interviewer or, 
or learning, I have to be very mindful of that because mm. I started out as an interviewer and, you know, we, we have to start somewhere and you have to be like, think of that, think of the person and yeah. So you've mentioned teaching throughout the interview. So let's go to the classroom. So what do you teach and how did you then shift to go, okay, I think I want to be a, a teacher, like in the classroom with grades and stuff. Yeah, well, I was asked to teach because I was going to put together, well, actually, I did put together a media training course, but it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't enough students. So long story short, um, the administrator asked me, would you like to teach business communications? And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, sure. You know, effective speaking, sure. <laughs> And then at BCIT, would you like to teach freelance producing for uh, social media and broadcast? Sure. So I guess just being open and teaching has actually been mm. really great because it's actually unlearning because every time I go into a classroom to teach, I'm learning about myself and learning, okay, this is a material and I can improve myself and I can learn from the students because it's our class. I don't say it's my class, it's our class, and this is how we, how we learn, you know. And, yeah, I think teaching is really good. You teach, you end up learning a lot about yourself, you know. It's, it's incredible. It really is. I just love it. Do you have a favorite lesson? Favorite lesson? I like to, well, effective speaking is coming up with role-playing, you know, just being totally give them a topic. It's sort of like Toastmasters, but table topics or scenarios and how would you feel if this happened and how would you play it out? And, and it's really fun to see starting at the first class and then they progress and then I can give pointers and then it, it's, it's, it's just great. It's like they're on stage. I say, we have a stage. This is our stage. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It's, yeah, it's really great. I do something similar where i have like this book of scripts when it's not full-blown scripts just maybe synopsis and they range from like one act plays to like two person monologues so i've gone through there and picked out the ones that are school appropriate or high schoolers and some of them do maybe push the border a little bit because you know, we want to give them as much opportunity to experience and, and create as possible. At least that's what I try to do. So, and when I give them these synopses and I'm like, okay, you, if your synopsis asks for two people, you got to have two, three, three, so on and so forth. And to see what these kids can come up with at 14 to 18 years old, oftentimes I'm just blown away Y'all came up with that. Like, that is amazing. I am happy. I'm so excited for what y'all are doing and just opening your minds to create and not being afraid and going for it. And, you know, for every one of those, you got duds. Well, we try to get past the duds quickly. I'm like, okay, you guys are wasting our time. Sit down and let's get somebody else up here who's putting the time in the work. So when you mentioned that, that's exactly what I went to. Yes. Another question about teaching. Where do you 
I guess, where do you get your your inspiration for what you want to put into your course? I, well, it's because of my, you know, the interest in interviewing, you know, what I do, I put myself in that, you know, I would say, okay, um, we're going to create a scenario and I would do some research and try to figure out um, and ask other people, right? Like, you know, what would make a good lesson plan? And and it's been really great. And I'm not like for me, it's like I like to ask questions and say, okay, this is then I'll cross reference everything, you know, and have everything, you know, sometimes you get some information from the internet, but it's, you know, I always double check, you know, <laughs> to make sure that it's, it's true or whatever the case may be but yes and i think you know reading books magazines like you know just being a, an observer of life you know and then my background you know of how to do compositions to figuring out what they want to you know every class is different dynamics of every class mm. you can't just say okay they're gonna learn this way and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna want to know more about this sometimes they don't they they don't want to learn that much so you go to another topic i'm talking in general right of course but, but right. yeah, it's uh yeah it's um wearing my teaching hat <laughs> so so many hats i have to I have to have a hat ring so <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's not enough room. So, tell me about it. Oh man, I'm literally doing too much, and I know it. But eventually, and I have a plan to get some of this stuff off my plate. Right at some point, you gotta let go of some things, even if you enjoy them. Because you know, once you take that position. Now there's an obligation there. There's a standard that has to be met, right? Whether it's uh, time or, you know, your your brain power, your energy. So that's definitely something that's in my, my near future. Uh, but I asked that inspiration question because I was watching TikTok, of course, as we all do at this point. And whose line is it anyway? I don't know if you remember that show with Drew Carey. Yes. Great show. And they just have those those skits all the time. So I bookmarked a couple of them and I just thought, how fun would it be to divide the class up, you know, into teams, pull these skits out of a hat and, you know, you got to go, you know, for five to eight seconds. And then the next team has an opportunity to go and just to get them up and moving and, and thinking quickly and thinking creatively. So when when I heard you like, Man, I get my my inspiration from from here and there. I'm like, yeah, it can really come from anywhere. Yes. And having, I guess, the teacher hat on, really for me all the time. You're like, oh, this might be cool. How can I weave that into what we do? Mm-hmm. Yes, there's ideas everywhere. You know, inspiration everywhere. Rather, I mean, you just have to look for it and just be, because you never know, right? As you said. Jim Carrey watching a movie. Well, that's interesting. Maybe I could do something like that. You know, it's it's great. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt about it. Okay. We're here at the last part of the interview where we do our three what's. (laughs) So you can go for as long or as short. The world is yours in this moment. What's an opinion that you have that will be considered unpopular? Talking about something you don't know. 
really, if you don't know about the topic, then I rather avoid it. And, and unless I know, know enough about it, I do my research without giving my opinion. So topic, ignore topics unless I know. Okay. Well said. I think many of us need to do that more. <laughs> Second what? If you weren't in media and, you know, doing your shows and film and TV and writing and freelancing, okay, if you weren't in this space, what field would you work in? Hospitality. I could see it. Hospitality because... You know, as an interviewer, you want to make the guests feel comfortable, right? It's the same thing, I would think, as hospitality. Like, um, you know, it's about making sure the guests are, are happy. It's about tourism. It's about, I love people. So, who knows, you know? I wanted to be a flight attendant a long time ago in high school. So, maybe that's the tourism hospitality arena. There you go. That would have made sense. That would have made total sense. Okay. Last what? What advice would you give to someone in high school? Find a mentor. Mm. Have a mentor. Have someone that you can trust that um, I think that's really important when we grow up that we need to find someone who we can, I mean, your parents are your mentor, like, you know, but I think it's really important to find that person to help you. Um, yeah. And I, and I feel like if it's not the right mentor, go to the next one. You know, it's, it's, it's just, you know, sometimes we think it's the right mentor, but is it? So, and then asking mm. your parents, you know, I think it's important to have, you know, have that relationship. Yes. What better place to end it? Yes. Get a mentor. Have somebody to help you along the way. And we couldn't leave here without Christine telling everybody where they can find her, shows, social media, plug it off. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Tony, for having me. You can reach me out. You can Google my name. <laughs> it's well, runwithit.ca. Instagram is Christine Blanchet underscore TV. Or just run with it and you'll find me. All right. Yes. That's going to be a wrap for us. Make sure you all go follow Christine. Go check out her stuff on social media. Uh, Obviously, you have to follow the Living Numbers podcast on Instagram and TikTok. That's where I post most of my stuff. Rate, review, share with somebody who you think would love this great interview and the rest of them that are up there. And merch link in the description. Thank you all. And I will see you in the next round. Voila. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. It was a great interview. Just a really? Yeah. Oh.